Blog Talk Radio. You have just tuned in to the Midweek Pick Me Up Energy Show, featuring professional officiant, tuning fork facilitator, and author, Marcy Ann Chi. In 1988, Marcy Ann discovered the quantum fields of energy and vibration, and since then her life has been a day-to-day experiment in knowing how to live in light energy for happiness, health, and wealth. She shares the principles and laws of light energy as they operate in everyday life. And now, here is Marcy Ann. Hi, everybody. This is Marcy Ann. And today I'm going to um, share my most recent (laughs) experiment and experience in... um, light energy and finding out that how my energy was being <clears throat> used in a negative way. Now, it seems to me that the time has come for each of us to examine what all these energizing systems are that we're operating in our lives and, and to investigate and see if the system is working for our highest and best good or not. And so I want to share this experience that exposed several of these operating systems that were working in my life <clears throat> that was depressing me and sapping me of my energies. <clears throat> the event that triggered this experience was my daughter called, and t- my oldest daughter called, and told me she was going to be having hip surgery. I was just devastated by this. And here's the reason why. Um, It goes back about 28 years ago when I had an automobile accident that caused me a whiplash injury. And curiously, about two weeks before I had the accident, I had seen an advertisement for a chiropractor near me that said he did soft-touch chiropractic and successfully treated all sorts of things, Uh, and one of them being whiplash injury. So I wondered where I had seen that advertisement, and curiously, again, the week of my accident, his ad was in the weekly advertisement bundle that comes, you know, through the mail. So I called him and made an appointment. And in my diagnostic uh, assessment, which included x-rays and a very comprehensive physical exam, In addition to my uh, whiplash injury, it was discovered that I had one leg shorter than the other. Now, the only system I had had in the past that could have revealed this to me if I had known more about the bone structures of our body and how they work was my left knee would swell up and hurt and then go down and then swell up and hurt. And it would be an on and off, on and off kind of a thing. And sometimes when it would swell up and hurt, I'd have to use crutches because I just couldn't put any weight on it at all. And I had used acupuncture and heat and cold and and had sort of dealt with it all that way. Well, I saw the x-rays and I saw how my one hip was higher than the other hip and just a matter of less than an inch in the overall structure 
of my skeletal system, I was throwing my weight onto the left knee. And depending upon the amount of walking I was doing, the left knee would just scream and cry and say, you know, I can't take this. It would swell all up and hurt. Well, so today we live in a culture that does treat symptoms. And uh, uh, if I had gone to the doctor about my knee, all sorts of procedures could have been prescribed. Um, Acupuncture is about the best. And, in fact, I did go and have acupuncture, and it helped. But since we're only dealing with the symptom and not the cause, it keeps happening again. And the truth is, if you only deal with a symptom and never get to the cause of anything, symptoms will return again and again. And so today, since most people really do just deal with symptoms, we have a culture that uses drugs extensively, you know, or we cut things up or take things out, and we replace hips and knees with surgery. So when my daughter called and said she was having hip surgery, I was devastated because her left knee started hurting and swelling up and hurting and swelling up long before this. And I said to her, daughter, perhaps you also have the genetic condition in your hip like I do. You know, one hip is higher than the other. I also have one eye smaller than the other one and one breast that's lower than the other one. I mean, we're not made absolutely symmetrically perfect. And it could be that you are throwing too much weight onto your left knee and that's what's causing it to hurt. Would you please go to my chiropractor and have him take x-rays and measure your legs and see if your right leg is shorter than your left leg? But she wouldn't go. Now, sometimes alternative medical treatment isn't covered by insurance, and she probably would have had to pay out of pocket to have this checked out, and she didn't want to do that. She preferred to go to the doctor who was included in her health care insurance, and so she had microscopic knee surgery. And after that, even though she did that every now and then, uh, it's... (laughs) swells up and hurts, so she gets shots of drugs into it. And as soon as she heals from her hip surgery, she's going to have knee replacement surgery. Now, my daughter is very overweight, so her symptoms are aggravated by the weight that she carries. I'm not overweight, so the amount of weight I was putting on my left knee when I walked crooked was not as much as the amount of weight she had been putting on her left knee. So her symptoms were more acute. And then she started complaining about her right hip hurting and aching. Because as she would try to alleviate the pain in her left knee, she began to wobble when she walked. And now she was aggravating the right hip. And that this has continued now until the hip is unbearable. And she has elected to have a hip replacement. Now, all through all of this, she was she complained to me, she complained to her husband, she complained to her children, and she complained to a, a whole series of doctors. 
she kept going to different doctors. Why do I wobble? What can I do to not have the pain? And most of the doctors called it arthritis. Some said to lose weight. So she just kept going from doctor to doctor looking for a solution uh, that did not involve her having to lose any weight. And she finally found a doctor who would do the hip replacement for her for her, and told her she would be just like new again. And she would be back to her fun-loving self. So she had the surgery three weeks ago, and so far she's doing well. She's still on a walker and can't drive yet, but she isn't in any pain. But, of course, she's still on her pain medications from the surgery, and, you know, sometimes patients never do get off the pain medications. Well, never, not even once, all through all this process, which has been over several years, Did she ever consider that she might have a short leg and that the solution to all of her pain and problems would be a small prosthetic that she could wear in her right shoe, which I now get, and it costs $1.50. I've been wearing this prosthetic in my shoe that I got from my chiropractor uh, for $1.50 now for 20 years, ever since I had the automobile accident. It was only 50 cents when I first started using it. And then uh, plus the treatment for my whiplash injury resulted in me being completely pain-free on my entire left side of my body, including my upper body and neck, which was injured. No headaches, no back pain, no neck pain, just perfect alignment of my skeletal structure. And because I now also have my entire skeletal structure in perfect alignment, my left knee doesn't swell up and hurt anymore because it isn't getting any of that extra weight put on it that it isn't meant to handle. And this perfect alignment also allows all the energy systems in my body to flow and nourish all of my body's bones and muscles and tendons and organs and all of its operating systems, the circulatory system, endocrine system, elimination system, respiratory systems, digestive systems, all are operating in perfect harmony with each other. And my body does what it knows how to do perfectly, which is to provide health and well-being for me. I'm 81 years old. And I don't take any medication at all. I don't have any pain in my body. And I look great and I feel great. And I'm happy. But when my daughter called me and said she was going to have a hip surgery, I was devastated. And my energy systems totally deflated, just like taking a needle and popping a balloon. I could hardly stand up. Well, she asked me if I would come to Texas and take care of her when she got home from the hospital. And as I considered this, this is when my these personal operating systems that were hidden were revealed to me. First of all, as her mother, I felt a parental responsibility to be there for her, a duty that I could not fail to fulfill, right? 
even though I'm 81 and she's 59, that operating system was still in place, mother-child. And then I became aware of another operating system. My energy was being sapped and drained by the power of dread. Well, let's look at that word. As a verb, dread means to be afraid of, worry about, be anxious about, anticipate with great apprehension. As a noun, dread means fear, trepidation, anxiety, worry, and concern. And as an adjective, dread means awful, frightful, terrible, horrible, dreadful. Well, first of all, my devastation was partly caused because apparently my wisdoms and my successful treatment of my hip and knee situations weren't even considered worthy of investigation by my daughter. And now I'm being asked to support her in her decision to have hip surgery. And for me, this is a dreadful, terrible, horrible, frightful situation for me. It seems like such a debilitating, expensive, never-ending, never-ending, only temporary solution to a problem that might have been so easily fixed for a dollar fifty. Oh, did I tell you that my granddaughter, my daughter's oldest daughter, also has the genetic skeletal structure? And she chose to assist her body to walk straight and tall in perfect alignment with her dollar and 50 cent prosthetic in her right shoe. And her left knee now is very, very happy and doesn't swell up and hurt anymore. Well, the next thing the dread produced was apprehension about flying to Texas. I checked out first-class seating. It was horribly, terribly expensive. And the thought of having to sit in the back and be all crowded in the small seats with no leg room and the stewardesses in the aisle so that you can't get to the bathroom was just weighing me down. I've actually solved the airport security situation because today, now, I just order a wheelchair and I just sit in the wheelchair and the person who pushes me goes through security and gets everything checked out and I just sit and wait. And then I'm just wheeled right through a special door, not having to go through any of the lines. So that part's okay. And I'm not alone at the airport, which is very helpful. I have someone with me all the time. Then my dread moved to the Texas weather. Ugh, 100-degree days, over 100 of them in in a row in the summertime. Terrible, horrible, frightful storms, tornadoes. My daughter's neighborhood had a tornado two years ago. It was right down the street on her block, even though it didn't hit their house. And they've been having floods and lightning in addition to the oppressing heat. And you just can't be outside. You have to be in air conditioning all the time, running from the house as fast as you can to get to the car. Dreadful. 
And when you live in California and have constant lovely weather, 75 degrees, no humidity, I mean, I feel like I live outdoors. My doors and windows are always off, open, soft, balmy breezes blowing through, no screens, because we don't have any bugs, no flies or mosquitoes or bees or gnats, <laughs> nothing that causes any discomfort. Just fair and continued warm, little change in temperature. I remember when I first moved here from Indiana, I just couldn't believe it. It seemed like they just played a record to give the weather. <laughs> so living here can be make it extremely difficult to go to other climates. So Mr. Dredd was filling my head with pictures of horrible, terrible, frightful weather situations that I couldn't encounter in Texas. And then I totally questioned my ability to be able to be a loving, compassionate, sympathetic support person for my daughter in her hip surgery. And it was at this point both my feet swelled up. So I scheduled a massage with a Reiki master who specializes in acupressure. Her card says, more than just a massage, intuitive healer and holistic health practitioner. I undressed and laid down on, the, on her table face up, and she ran her hands across my body from my head to my feet, and then she said, what are you emotionally grieving about? Well, talk about hitting the nail on the head. Talk about getting to cause and core. We didn't even deal with the symptoms of my swollen feet. She went straight to the heart of the matter because that's where these things are, in our heart. And as I looked in my heart, there it all was, the entire emotional energy stream and as always, it always goes back to the very beginning. And that was in 1957 in Pleasanton, California. My husband and I were in the Air Force. We were stationed at Parks Air Force Base, which was an overseas processing base that was keeping a constant stream of soldiers going to Asia after the Korean War in support of the Eisenhower Doctrine of Conventional Limited Wars to match and try to surpass the the Soviet nuclear capabilities of those days because it was agreed that nuclear war was to be avoided at all costs. It is interesting to note that in an effort to prepare for any type of potential military conflict, President Eisenhower exercised unprecedented executive authority in deploying the U.S. military abroad without any specific authorization from the U.S. Congress. Now, these Cold War policies served to increase the foreign policy-making power of the presidency and to expand U.S. international obligations, which has ended up today with NATO nations relying solely upon the U.S. for their military preparedness so that our national budget is nearly 70% for military, while all of the NATO's nations 
have nothing for military expenditures, so all of them can have free health care and free public education, including going to college. And because our boys knew that there was no congressional authority for these conventional limited wars they were being sent to, they instinctively knew they were involved in another Vietnam, and they were discouraged and didn't want to go. So they went AWOL. And my husband was in the Judge Advocacy General's Department of the Air Force, and as a first lieutenant, he had to prosecute these AWOL soldiers. Not a pleasant or popular task. An airman at the Bay X wouldn't bag my groceries because they knew who my husband was. But I digress here. While we were doing our two-year military commitment, I began to realize that I did not love my husband. I realized I was not in love with him when we got married. I got married because I had to leave home, and I couldn't afford to finish college. And men in those days got married because that was the only way they could have regular dependable sex, so men were looking for someone to marry. And I had three proposals in one week, and I picked the one I thought would make the most money. My husband was in law school, only had two years to go, and so we got married. I worked, and he finished law school, and then we had to do our two years required military service. And we asked to be stationed in California. Well, I had a lot to think about in realizing that I did not love my husband. Did I want to stay in a marriage where there was no passion on my part? Would I want to bring children into this type of sterile environment? So I decided to go to Los Angeles and stay with my aunt for a while so that I could sort things out. And after I'd been there about a week, I began to have morning sickness. And she pointed the finger at me and she said, you are pregnant. I was devastated. It just seems that this is what this oldest child of mine does to me. She devastates me. (laughs) I thought to myself, oh, no, if I'm pregnant, then I'm going to have to go back to my husband. I'm going to have to stay married. This child deserves to have a mother and a father and a home where two people are committed to her and making sure she has everything she needs to grow up and become a self-sufficient, contributing member of our society. So, with my tail between my legs, I despondently returned back to my husband and gave him the news. Well, he was delighted. He was so happy, and I was miserable. I was miserable all through the pregnancy, play pretending, begrudgingly going through each day. And it was during the pregnancy my husband's tour of duty ended, so at seven months pregnant, we flew home and set up housekeeping back in Indiana because my husband had already passed the bar in Indiana and that we felt that we had a more stable foundation to start a law practice there where there was family and friends and connections. So we rented a small house that my mother owned and prepared to welcome our baby girl into the world. 
While we were still in California, really at the beginning of my pregnancy when I first found out, I determined that I would just have another baby as soon as I could so that I would be locked into this marriage because I knew I would never be tempted to get divorced. If I had two kids, I would have to stick it out. And within four weeks of having my daughter, I was pregnant again. (laughs) I felt like an elephant because it takes elephants 645 days to have a baby, and and I was pregnant for 558 days (laughs) concurrently. (laughs) Because on my daughter's first birthday, I brought home her present, a little brother. Well, during the pregnancy with my daughter being miserable, I was sick to my stomach most of the time, so I didn't eat. I only gained 20 pounds overall. And in those days, we thought the baby got what they needed, regardless of what the mother did or did not eat. However, you know, today we know that isn't true. And in the womb, my daughter kicked and kicked constantly. Like she was screaming, give me more, give me more. And all during her life, she has not been able to have enough of anything. She has a constant and compelling need to always have more. Give me more. This is not enough. Nothing is ever enough. So she carries a tremendous amount of extra weight, which stresses her skeletal structure and all of her abilities to do anything. And then as her right hip began to react to the weight, which aggravated the possible congenital hip design, she began to wobble and throw the weight onto the left knee, and now the wrist is history. And she's elected to have a hip replacement, and when this is healed, she says she's going to have the left knee replaced. As Mr. Dredd worked me over, reminding me of the terrors of flying, that someone might be on the plane with a bomb, and I would be crammed in coach with no immediate access to the bathroom, and I would be flying into terrible, horrible weather in Texas, stifling heat, floods, and tornadoes, and humidity that makes it so I just can't breathe. The next operating system that was surfacing was my parental guilt. Now, this is something I have really always known about. But when the Reiki Master Energy Acupuncture Body Massage Lady asked me, What are you emotionally grieving about? I knew at the core of everything was me feeling guilty about all of the conditions that had preceded her birth and all of the games I played after her birth, all of the love I faked, all of the expected protocol I displayed to the outside, And inside, I was seething, groaning, crying and crying and crying, emotionally grieving, grieving, grieving. So I started telling the energy lady the story. And she began her magic, using her hands, tuning forks, vocalizations, body tuners. She began clearing and releasing out my emotional grief. 
She worked on me for two hours, and she told me to breathe. Breathe in and breathe out. To breathe in forgiveness for myself. As I breathed in, I was to see myself as having done the best I could and release myself from any judgment of right or wrong or good or bad. I did what I did. I did it the only way I could do it with the awareness that I had at that time. And she said that when I breathed out, I was to let all that guilt go. Release the guilt. Release the grief. And to breathe in acceptance of myself as a woman. Breathe in acceptance of myself as a parent. Breathe in acceptance of myself as a mother. I did the best I knew how to do according to what I knew and what I believed at that time. You know, there's no way to go back and undo something. But we can go back and release the accumulated emotional baggage and allow our current conditions to be free from that emotional baggage so that our relationships can then be re-energized in what we know now and what we do now. And then the facilitator said a fantastic thing to me. She said, I was not responsible for my daughter making this decision to have her hip replaced. It was not a reflection of how good or how bad I was as a mother. She says, my daughter was an individual with free will. She was free to make whatever decision she chooses for herself. And I did not have to agree with it. And I'm not responsible for her actions. And she said, I was not responsible to support her in her decision. And that there was a total and complete support system that's in place for people uh, who make these decisions. And they will support her in her decision. And then she read to me what the word namaste means. Now, namaste is a salutation that's widely widely used in the holistic spiritual community, and I dare say most of the people who use it don't know the full meaning, and here it is. I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is love of truth, of light, and of peace. And when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste. So I called my daughter and I found out that her youngest daughter was coming for the first week she would be home from the hospital and that then her husband was going to take off two weeks from work to be with her and help her. And on top of that... Her doctor had ordered a whole host of caregivers to come to the house and take care of her. A woman comes in every day to help her take her shower. A massage therapy person comes two and three times a week to help her exercise. Another person comes to take her walking. So she is totally and completely supported in her decision. 
and they are all experienced caregivers who know exactly what to do and are loving and caring and helping her recover. And she feels very nurtured and cared for, and it's all paid for by her insurance, and she thinks it's terrific. You know, and I would have been totally helpless in doing for her anything that she needs right now. And she seems to be getting along very well. She's proud of herself, and the doctor and all the caregivers are telling her how good she's doing. So it all worked out. And I have been released from the dread and finally of the parental guilt. And now my feet are almost normal. I I have learned from past experiences of healing that healing is a process and emotional healing is also a process. Because I've felt guilty for a long time, 59 years. I mean, that's a lot of guilt. <laughs> but I am uh, continuing to affirm to myself that I am released now from the parental guilt and eventually I will be totally cleansed and cleared of all parental guilt. I've signed up for an eight-week meditation class, and we had our first meeting last night. And one of the exercises that our facilitator asked us to do was to pick someone in our world of relationships who we might have a problem with and then have them stand in front of us and visualize all of the problems with that person just melting away. So I visualized my daughter standing in front of me. And I visualized her body becoming smaller and smaller. And I saw her looking like she did way back when she was 16 years old. Because we we are women uh, who have voluptuous figures. I mean, like, you know, our hourglass pick, uh, figures, we have boobs and hips and a tw- tiny waist and long legs and small hands and feet. We actually look like what used to be the most desired look for the woman, not the skinny, bony blonde of today. We are women of the Renaissance painters (laughs) like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. So I visualized her as she was at 16, beautiful, voluptuous, And we talked today, and she said that she and her husband are coming here to visit me the end of the month. They already have their tickets. They're flying first class, so she will be comfortable. And I'm not dreading her visit. I'm not feeling any guilt about being her mother. And I believe that we will be having a new beginning, a genesis in our relationship And I am really excited. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. You can contact Marcy Ann on her website, www.marcyann.com. You can also view all of Marcy Ann's videos on YouTube by putting Marcy Ann in the YouTube search window. You can download her book for free at www.mrwriteforme.com. And if you want to go into business for yourself, 
Take a look at Marcianne's Weddings and Celebrations Business Startup Course at www.weddingofficiantschool.com. The Middle of the Week Pick Me Up Energy Show is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time from Marcianne's Studios in Southern California. All shows are also archived and can be listened to at any time in any place in the world.